Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right, you know what that means. You are listening to The Mystery of Parenthood. And um, we're happy to say that Dennis is on the production side and that my <laughs> wife, Stephanie, is, is here. And we ask that she would uh, open us with prayer. Slow down and pray with us today. Yes, please. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become, for each successive generation, a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. And grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in and through our families. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit, Holy Family of Nazareth. Pray for us. St. John Paul II. Pray for for us. us. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yeah, well, We're going to take it this back. Is a, this is a ba- <laughs> blast from the past. We've, we've kind of gone back. We've gone back and, and started looking. Um, we pulled out what actually started the whole Mystery of Parenthood thing. We were asked back in, I guess, 04, which uh, um, by Josh Simmons, uh, who was running the faith formation at... at um, St. Thomas Aquinas to to do a uh, adult faith formation, and one of them was a parenting. It was actually he named it "Let Go and Let God." I'm um, a guide to God, a guide to godly parenting. Um, I guess we've we've changed it to the mystery of parenthood because, um, well, it's a mystery. <laughs> but, it's, but an, anyway. it's an ever unfolding mystery. It is, and uh, <laughs> and so uh, th- this was definitely um, we 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 did it for several. I think we did it three times in one year, uh, eight sessions, so twenty four sessions in a year, um, three repeats of eight sessions, I guess. So. We're going to go through this. I think this is one we've talked about getting to the heart of your child. This is a little bit more specific um, because I think it is so I – w- I was just reading. Uh, I just pulled out, and I'm not even sure why. I know why because I was asked to give a talk to RCIA in September on on as God is love. So where else would you start than like Pope Benedict's encyclical that's called God is love? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty, pretty good. But he talks about how – this division of body and soul is is causing problems. People focus just on the body, and therefore they lose some of their dignity, and they focus just on the soul, and they lose some of their dignity by not really understanding that we're meant to be this unified whole. And I guess at the center of, of this is that understanding. And so I think that getting to the heart of your child means that we're trying to teach our children that that we're this meant to be this integrated whole of a person. And so this was called Starting with the End in Mind, um, Getting to the Heart of Your Child is the title of this session that we did. And so real quick, I'm going to go through a review. Holy matrimony is a sacrament. And again, as we've said, hopefully everybody out there listening can give me this definition. One day we'll do something in person and I'll see how many listen. But it's a visible sign of invisible realities or truths instituted by Christ to confer grace. And again, we believe in the visible and the invisible. It's funny, I, I've got seen and unseen. This is prior to the change <laughs> to the to the uh, oh. Oh, creed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the, the visible and the invisible. And the visible should be directed toward, and this is directly taken out of Sacrosanctum Concilium with regard to 
the sacraments and the liturgy. And it says the visible should be directed toward and subordinate, subordinated to tongue twister. I was about to say. <laughs> visible, the visible should be directed toward and subordinated to the invisible, the human to the divine, action to contemplation, present city, meaning where we are now, to the eternal city, meaning heaven. And then the third, this is basically the fundamentals of the mystery of parenthood. The Christian faith is the only fully valid response to the problems and hopes that we have in and for our families. The only fully valid response is the Christian faith. I mean, we're bold enough to say it because that's what we've been taught, and that's where we stand, and this is where the theology and the practical application that we'll talk about here comes from. So we make the spiritual and the divine visible through the body and it alone, which comes directly from John Paul II's uh, theology of the body, that through the body and it alone is capable of making the invisible visible, the spiritual and the divine uh, is what he says. And that what we need to do all that with all that is we have to have truth and grace and truth and grace come to us through the Catholic church and the sacraments. So anyway, um, going through, we're going to get to the, we're going to get to the parent. The Trinity is, is the invisible God that we're supposed to mimic. We look to that and that's the way we built the mystery parenthood. We look to God and see what does love look like? How does it, how has love been revealed? It was revealed in and through a person, but the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, gift, total giving of self, um, without any holding back, that he made husband and wife, Adam and Eve, from the beginning, and husband and wife from this day forward, and from that day forward, to be visible signs of this inner relationship of the Father and the Son, and then obviously the Holy Spirit, um, Again, we fall short because God's God and it's infinite, but in terms of, of, of analogy, a child is like that coming from the free and total and faithful self-gift of a husband to wife. And so getting this, all parenting therefore begins with the relationship of mom and dad. Their parenting success depends first and foremost on God's grace. I mean, <laughs> it's impossible without the help of God's grace, and we can depend on it. And then their participation— And we need to call on it. I think— um, Yes. Well, yeah, who I is that? I guess Jim— uh, Backman. Jim, yes, Backman yes. From, he's up in Oklahoma. Yes, was yeah. a, it's a great reminder that, um, you know, to us when he was on the show one time that, I mean, we need to, like, verbally, vocally, you know, ask for that grace um, with, you know, within our parenting struggles, within our marital struggles, uh, you know, because of the sacrament that, that um, you know, that we have received. It, it is it is there for us to, you know, Right, and a proper understanding into. of grace is that it that it actually it it empowers us and elevates our nature. It makes us capable of doing things that we on our own, by our own willpower, separate from God's grace, could not do. Mm-hmm. So we have to have a proper understanding of what um of what that um means. So we can call on the grace of the sacrament, make ourselves present to confession, obviously mass and, and the Eucharist at the center of all of that. Um, and so, and then here fundamentally is where we, where we stay with regard to that. So first and foremost on God's grace, their per- participation in this success, the meaning the parents participation in this success depends on their accurately and visibly f- reflecting the truth about God and, this, and trying to be, because that's effectively what we've been given the challenge as parents. When we become parents, we're meant to reflect um, God and the way he works. And so, and I think that flows into what the, the basis of this, we're, we're talking about getting at the heart of the child. We're going to start with a framework. There's really kind of two parenting extremes. I think Stephanie and I probably came from those two parenting extremes to a certain extent. <laughs> um, and most of y'all, yeah, I think these are your opposite ends of the spectrum, and probably most people fall somewhere in between, but probably tend towards one or the other. But I think it's important to kind of understand that the sacramental response, which is what we're purporting, the getting after the heart of the child and understanding the child as a whole, um, falls in the mean between these two, I think. Um, both of them have something important to say. So f- number one is authoritarian parenting. And those are characterized by 
concern about restraining evil it often you know pays little attention to elevating good to trying to get that and there's a greater emphasis placing on what children should not do rather than what they should do right and then, that, that's me right. <laughs> um, i'm i'm that i'm on that end <laughs> Yeah, they, I'm, I'm the 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 because I said so are um, I, and it would have been that that parent and certainly in times of weakness <laughs> fell to that to uh, to that parenting. Um, I mean, there's no philosophy. There, there are positives about both these. Sure, words, sure. They're, they're, I mean, sometimes no together. is no because I because yes. I said no, uh, you right. know, um, but uh, I think that, again, like you said, somewhere in the middle is. Um, is is the better way being able to give a child the moral reason why um, right. that he shouldn't be doing a behavior? Um, hopefully, will make them own that. Make it their own. Yeah, huh? make it their own. So this, is, yeah, so it, that authoritarian will focus on both the external behavior and the external means uh, to get that behavior. So often, that's you know punishment, fear, reproof. Not not necessarily the love of good. But, um, Fear of reproof becomes a primary motivation, which is to do it or else mm-hmm. you're going to get punished or mm-hmm. whatever men- mentality. And that can work very well if the success is based on how a child um, performs <laughs> it, it outwardly. I mean, it, in other words, if, that, if lots of times you can find people who st- stress this, who have well-behaved children in the moment um, because this will work short-term, but we're going to get to that. So it focuses on limits and holding children within those limits. And probably you're going to tend more towards this, you know, because it is a pendulum. Right. Um, The spectrum. The spectrum, I guess. Yeah, not a pendulum. I mean, it's better that on, on, you know, when they're younger, you know, right. when when there is not a lot of reasoning going on um, between you and your two year old, <laughs> right? You you you'd be, you'd, um, but you'd you can start towards... that language. I think that's what's so important, and um, I I think it's so important to 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 use um, the language that you want to use with them when they're older. Um, you know. Even when they're the, even when they're young, they understand more than we give them credit for. <laughs> right, and if you give them the means to communicate, we've talked about sign language before. You know, for them to and for them to say yes, mom, yes, dad, um, to to ask please, even if they're just signing please to mm-hmm. sign thank you, those mm-hmm. type of things to require mm-hmm. that of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the yes, mom, yes, dad was um, was something we utilized when we gave them an instruction, and it was so that we. Both knew, okay, you've heard what I said and you don't have any questions, you know, or, uh, I mean, you've heard me, you know, um, and you understand. Right. <laughs> so, so that that was what, that was one of the ways we used that very early on with, with littles when you, when you were asking them to do something that they had to So respond. limits are good and, and requiring something and, and even once in a while to do it because I said so, or, you know. It, there's there's place for it. It's mm-hmm. not it's just not like saying this is bad. And mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. as we move on to the second one, which is the opposite end of the perspective of the spectrum, it's the permissive parenting, and it's not necessarily concerned with suppressing evil, elevating elevating good or behavioral results. The primary concern is creating the right environment for the child and focus on generating the right emotions, avoiding avoiding negative emotions and pursuing all positive ones. Um, so right and wrong training depends on how the parents think their child feels instead of the end product, their behavior. It's focusing more on, you know, happy is good and sad is bad, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so the behavior may not be as important in that. Um, and so it focuses a lot on freedom, which again, is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we're, we're always moving. I mean, I know you, you know, if you've listened to our show at all, you've heard us talk about the funnel, um, parenting within the funnel. And, and, and that is what you're moving your child to more and more freedoms. 
the thing is, is that you want to make sure that they're able to handle those responsibly. And so the funnel idea and picture is that, um, you know, that you start very constricted, like at the bottom of a funnel where it's very tiny. That's when they're young. There's going to be a lot of restrictions. You're going to be um, guarding their boundaries. Um, but obviously what you want is for them to move up that funnel and those boundaries and responsibilities um, get wider as they get older because eventually they're out of the funnel. They're out of your house um, and they're living on their own and they're, they are going to be making their own decisions. And so, you know, you're hoping and praying that, that right. um, cause you can't, you, you know, let's just be real. We cannot, <laughs> We can't reinvent every, I mean, we can't invent every situation our child is ever going to be in. We want to give them principles, um, you know, and skills to take with them that they can say, well, this wasn't exactly like that. But when that happened, you know, this is what mom and dad. Yeah. And that's why that's why I think that the balance that we're trying to get at is what I call the sacramental response or the. incarnational response, the, this trying to unify body and soul and have the kids. I think it's important because in this world, there's a lot of stuff out there that if we can help our children understand that there is a connection between their soul and their body. I mean, I'm, I'm this is a little bit of an aside, but like when we would tell our children to get self-control, we would show them what self-control looks like. And when they struggled... What would it look like? I mean, we would tell them to basically fold their hands together and get in self-control. You know, what well, was a bodily action that helped them from losing it? Now, they looked like they were about to blow. It was like Mount Vesuvius. I mean, you know, sometimes they would be shaking, but they would be One really in particular. trying. Yeah, they would be trying. <laughs> they would be trying. But again, that that little thing... Of making them say, okay, you need to get in self-control. So we would show them how to do it. We would require them to do it. And and when they would fold their hands, I mean, their hands would turn purple sometimes <laughs> from them holding on. But but what that communicates is a proper understanding that there is a there is a unity and meant to be a unity between our intellect and our will and our body, right? And it's you know our intellect and will should dictate. To that, so we're telling our hands to do this, but our body's fighting against it, and it shows it shows that just in the in the way that they act. Other things like them rolling eyes or 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 saying they're sorry, but the way they say they're sorry, not you know sometimes when they say sorry, they're not sorry. They're just <laughs> saying what they what they've been told to say. Those type of things are things that are constantly going to teach your children this sacramental approach that there is a connection between what's going on in the heart and the soul and, and what we're doing with our bodies. So the sacramental spot. So we're after the heart. That's the, that's the end game. We're after the heart, the soul of the child, but the body, the outward behavior has to, has to follow, right? So we can teach them about self-control, but we have to help them bodily with that self-control. So we give them tools to do that. We have to, they have to want to communicate instead of losing their temper, throwing a tantrum, requiring them to communicate, even when they can't necessarily speak, teaching them sign language and requiring them to say, please, food, you know, whatever they have to do to give them the ability to take what's inside them, in their soul and their intellect and their will, and bring it forth in their mouth or through their Again, that's a very healthy Catholic Christian way of looking at things. We're trying to communicate, and we can do it very early on without actually teaching them that, (laughs) but just by making them have to do things that makes their body get in line with what's going on, what should be going on inside of them. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I was just thinking that, you know, some of these things we learned in a a series that we had done very early on in our marriage that was actually— uh, a Protestant series called Growing Kids God's Way. And that's sort of w- what um, moved us to try to do a more Catholic version 
Um, but but a lot of their practical ideas were were just that very practical. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, again, if you've listened to this show at all, you know, Trey's very theological and I'm very practical. Right. <laughs> I'm like, OK, I hear you and I understand what that means. But what does that look like in my day to day life with all these people? Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So but but I, I'm, I'm going to tell you that just kind of starting on that track of 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 you know using those those visible signs to to help the kids um when we had a you know when somebody was struggling with something and 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 we you know obviously we we would talk about it um uh pray about it you know um and and it was amazing how the holy spirit was so so generous to you know because I definitely got ideas that I knew were not mine. I mean, like it, you heard something, you know, you you heard an idea, you hear a thought in your head, and you know, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> but, you know, it, it it came, it definitely came from the Holy Spirit, and 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 I, I can just think of the, my example that I always use was was Madison when she was like two, um, she kept asking why and at first it was like oh yeah well this is you know here we go again here's the why stage but it was different than with Trevor because you know no two are ever the same they're all unique and unrepeatable and I I can I mean I still it's so funny I can still visibly remember being in the kitchen when she came around the corner and I asked her to do something and she said why and it just really rubbed me the wrong way that that it was like, you know what? She is challenging me. She's not asking me why because she wants to understand. She's asking me why, like, well, why do I need to do this? <laughs> and so, I, you know, I, like I said, this sentence popped into my head. And I said, you know what? When mommy asks you to do something, I, I would love to tell you, to, to, to explain to you why. But before, before you ask that question, I, I need you to say, um, yes, mom, may I ask why? And you know what? Sometimes there's an answer that I can give you to, to, and sometimes there's not, you just need to do what I'm asking you to do. Well, of course, as those words are coming out of my mouth to her, <laughs> I'm hearing God go, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> That's... Do you hear yourself? Like, you know, could you just say yes, God? And you know, maybe sometimes I'll tell you why. And maybe sometimes it's just because I know it's, I'm, I'm, I want what's best for you. And so just do what I'm asking you to do. So yeah, God has a great sense of humor. Right, and, and I do think that's part of the mystery that we talk about as you, as you struggle to try your best and God's going to give you the grace to do it. And he's going to give you those moments of clarity on this is how we should handle it. And sometimes you're going to struggle, but because you're a parent, you're, you're guaranteed the grace. Uh, if you put in the effort and cooperate with the grace to, to be able to raise your children well. But as you do that, what's going to happen, because you're a child of God, <laughs> is God's going to reveal things to you. It's happened multiple times that I can think of in my own. Mm-hmm. You know, walking down the stairs of St. Mary's and, you know, Trevor, I'm offering my hand. He's two years old and I'm offering my hand and he won't, he won't do it. He's going to walk down the stairs by himself. I'm going to take your hand. And then eventually he literally trips and starts falling. I catch him by the back of the neck, pull him back up, set him up, then hand his hand, hand me his hand. Like, okay, now you're going to take my hand. And he just (laughs) ignores my hand and walks down. And I'm like, I'm raising an idiot. I mean, (laughs) and, and, and then almost simultaneously, I got this sense like, Trey, I mean, that's you. I mean, like, <laughs> grab a hold of my hand. I mean, you're going to walk down, but I'm going to walk with you. And and so there's moments like that that are part of the graced moments of raising children when you attempt to raise it, raise the child in a, in a sacramental way. So a couple of things that you brought up. I mean, one of the, my favorite, Proverbs 22, 6, which we said a bunch, you know, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he shall not depart from it. Notice, when he is old, he shall not depart from it. <laughs> the reality is, and this is one of the things that we had a struggle with, with, and it was, it was probably our own struggle, but I'd heard others, with growing kids God's way. Because there was, it, was, it was kind of formulaic. Like, if you do this, then your children will do that. Mm-hmm. You know? and, mm-hmm. if you, and, and, you know, it's kind of like, this is the outcome that you should expect if you handle it this way. Well, what we learned was, 
wait a second. That I mean, that worked on some kids, but it would not work on others. Yeah, and there's we no would, formula. And we, there's not a formula. Other, it's a, it's an ongoing training process. <laughs> right, and so and so one of the things that, that that really struck me from a sacramental standpoint is God's revealed Himself as Father, Son, and love, and with a with Mother, the Church. So as a family. And and it, it it struck me as I and as I began to think about this sacramental way of looking at parenting, and I I was like, okay, if God's the perfect father, if he's the perfect father, then and and he has so many that have fallen away <laughs> from him who have who have done, then why should we expect? <laughs> That if we do something that that our children are just going to fall in line, his own children don't fall in line. Yeah, not and, the not not the kind of uh, advice or conversation when you've had a hard day that <laughs> when you tell your husband, "What are we doing wrong? We can't. These kids are just not obeying. They're not. You know what? What? The, yeah, and no, that but, was the <laughs> which was true. And I was like, "Yeah, you're right." <laughs> so, so I guess it doesn't mean you don't keep trying. No, no, no. Because God doesn't stop trying with His children. You keep. Doing, you keep loving them, you keep correcting, you keep guiding, you keep being there for them, which is what God's doing, offering your hand, you know, <laughs> all of those things. But but the reality is, is we should expect that if we aren't that great at following God's, and that there are, are through millennia people who even close to God who fall away and don't and make mistakes and and don't do things the way God wants them done even when they know that correctly, we should expect that that's what's going to happen. So with that in mind, it made it much, it made it much easier to understand this is more of a process. It, it, when they grow old, <laughs> they will not depart from it. Yeah. I mean, know? I think, I think when you think about it, like training, like right. truly training, I think when I sat exactly with what that, that scripture says, right, train. right. But I don't, I, I didn't, I don't know. I just, it took me a while to, to get there. And because I mean, you know, you don't go out when you're trying to get, you know, run a race or, or, or you're, you know, doing exercises to, you know, bulk up or change your shape of your arms or whatever. It doesn't happen just one time. <laughs> you, know, right. you can't go to the gym. And I mean, it is literally a training, a painful training and over and, and, over. Over, and over and over again. And, um, I, you know, I think initially with, you know, obviously the poor oldest, they, they, you know, they're the guinea pigs. Um, the, you know, by the time you got to the youngers, you realized, yes, it they're going to get it. <laughs> it just takes a while because right. it's truly training and it's truly a process. Right. So and, and give yourself some grace. And <laughs> and then we had here what something you've already brought up about providing the moral reason why. Listen, I you know, some of y'all may question there is, if why is asked humbly, if why <laughs> is asked in a way that says, I want to understand, that's perfectly fine. You need to communicate with the kid. And in fact, it's the way that you make it their own. Because if your answer is always, because I said so, there will come a day when you're not there to say so. <laughs> And they will come up with whatever theirs is. We're trying to get at their heart. We're trying to get at their intellect and their will. So to provide the moral reason why, you should not throw the trash out on the ground. Because if everybody did that, there would be trash everywhere. And this is God's earth, and we owe that to the people who are coming by. Simple thing like that. You know, the the, the Ezos were always the ones that, which I think about every time I go to the grocery store about putting the putting the... After you've unloaded the car, bringing back the the cart to to a place where it belongs, where it can be picked up, you know, not just leaving it right there. And the idea is that that's a small way of showing I care for the person who has to gather these, you know, I'm, or the person that's trying to park, or the person that's trying to park <laughs> that it's not in the way. That those are small signs that I that I'm thinking about somebody else, and and I'm doing something that's very small, but a little bit of a problem. I mean, a little bit of an issue if I've got to walk a whole <laughs> twenty feet to the to the thing when everybody else is just leaving theirs. I mean, but 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 to but to un help them understand why allows them to make it their own. And it, you know, and 
And so we should be trying to do it. I've always said, if you can't explain why, if you can't give a good reason why, then you need to ask whether you should be requiring it of them. I mean, really, it, you, you should be able to give them one. But we always say, there's times when I don't have time to give you why. You just need to do it, but I will get back to why. So anyway, that's a sacramental approach. So parents, because they need God's grace, you know, they should pray for each other and with each other for wisdom, you know, and you'll be surprised at what he provides. And in, in doing so, what they're doing is they're visibly in that prayer time, subordinating themselves to and directing themselves toward the invisible God, right? So that's in keeping with that. And a child is a body and soul. So there's the visible signs, the, uh, the body that's the matter that we see, intellect and will, unity. So visible matter, the way they outwardly respond matters, right? I mean, so we've got to teach them and model that. But we can't be just okay with the outward sign. And we have to not just get acquiescence to what we're having. I mean, if they roll their eyes and they say, yes, mom, that's not an acceptable yes, mom. You know, I mean, they, they have to communicate with their body as a whole that they mean what they say. And I think that's important to do. Um, so as visible signs of this God to our children, we must establish limits for our children, right? And then appropriately respect their freedom. And I love what Pope John, this is Pope John Paul II at the time, his definition of freedom is to do what one wishes when he's doing what he must. This is what we want <laughs> for our children, right? Think about that. The definition of freedom is to do what one wishes when he's doing what he must. That's what we want for ourselves and for our children, right? So then, like Stephanie, I mean, we're talking about this parenting in a funnel. I mean, like structured choices versus making daily choices can lead to becoming wise in your own eyes. So can you think of an example of that where you have a, you know, a structured choice versus... Just oh, do it. Yeah. Sorry, I, mean, I was like, what? <laughs> no, I'm talking about. Like, yeah. I, yeah. Sorry, I wasn't following there for a second. Um, y- no, I think that it's it's so important. You know that, um, especially when they're when they're younger, um, you you know kind of when 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 they've when they've they're submitting to authority. Um, I, and I, the craziest example I can think of, and it sounds silly, but um, is you know like. You give a child the the red sippy cup in the morning with their juice or milk or whatever, and they th- and I mean this has happened in our household, um, and they throw an absolute fit because they want the blue one. It's like mm, no, you're you're gonna have the red one today, <laughs> to, you know, just to teach them some some submission and the fact that because and and like I I don't know it we saw it play out with our kids maybe maybe our kids are just odd I don't know but. When they were allowed to make all of these little decisions, because, you you know, you think, and I guess one of my pet peeve um, statements that I would hear from people is you got to pick your battles. I'm like, well, I, I don't know. I think all the small battles win the big war <laughs> was kind of my, my philosophy. And and so, um, you know, when, when, when they, you know, picked what they were going to wear and they, and you gave them something in a red cup and they wanted the blue one. And so you just switched it to the blue one for peace sake. And, you know, all of these little bitty decisions start adding up. And it, it generally, like I said, then when it comes time to the big things, they, they're like, well, I'm, I'm good. I've been making decisions all day. I, I don't, I don't need you. Right. <laughs> so uh, it was, it was just a thing in our house when we saw that kind of behavior, um, we would pull, you know, that was kind of when we'd pull back in the funnel. Okay, you know what? You may be not ready for some of the free. We'd, we'd usually look and it was, we'd given them too much freedom. Um, and, and we'd have to pull, you know, pull back a little bit. It, you know, the other thing to do is, is, is structured choices is what he was talking about is, you know, you can have this outfit or this outfit, you know. Um, and, of course, if you hear, well, I don't want either one of those. I want this third outfit. No. <laughs> You can choose these two or mommy's going to choose for you. <laughs> so it was just um, 
it was just a way of uh, that we went about training to make sure that there was no, you know, again, you can tell they're wise in their own eyes. Um, yeah, they get, you can tell we used to, there was one of our things that if we saw a kid that was misbehaving or being disrespectful yeah. over time, if we looked almost, at their, always, yeah, almost always, almost always, it was because we had given too much freedom to them. And we would literally, as they got older, even when they got old enough to understand that, we, I mean, it's even at seven or eighth grade, there were times when we gave them too much freedom and they'd start acting kind of like, like, who are y'all? I mean, <laughs> you know, and it, it, again, always would say it was not a function of I'm in control and you're not. Mm -hmm. It was, this is for your good. And, and what we're doing is actually harder <laughs> because we're having to retract and retract what we gave you as a freedom and, and do it. So I would challenge all of y'all to, to, to look at it because they, they all the way up. But I would always, we would always also tell them, this is to get you towards freedom. At some point, you're going to set your own limits. We're going to explain to you why. I used to say sometimes, look, I'm setting this limit because I don't think you're capable of handling that choice right now. You can't do this or you must do that. It required. But I would always say, is it possible that I'm making a mistake? And I'm yes, I may be requiring too much of you, or I may not be giving you enough freedom. 100%. But I've got to do what's right now. But the intention is, as you grow older, if you show humility to accept when we say, hey, you need to do that, and responsibility when you give you a freedom. So it, the great combination of humility and responsibility if you can do those, we will continue to give you more and more freedoms until hopefully by the time you're a senior in high school, about ready to go to college, when the next year we're not going to be there to wake you up, tell you when to do your homework, to do your chores, all that kind of stuff. By that year, I want to see where we don't have to do any of that. You're setting your own limits because you're being responsible. That's where we're headed. And so if you give them that vision – and share it with them. It doesn't mean they go, oh, yeah, great, Dad. I'm, I'm so happy <laughs> to say yes. That, that's not what you get. But, 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 what, but what you do get is some buy-in as long as you are showing them I'm moving towards more and more freedom. I want to say yes more and more to things you want to do. The more you show humility in accepting our no's or our requirements, and the more you show responsibility when we give you those, if we extend your curfew and we say you can be out till midnight or 1 a.m. or whatever, that you show up at that time or call and say, I'm so sorry I had to do this. I'm, I'm going to be five minutes late, but you're showing responsibility. That's the stuff that gains you more freedom. Well, and it's really kind of interesting because I, I remember um, with with one of I think it was Madison. um and she was 18. I'm pretty sure she was 18 because she could have gone to this. There was a like we just didn't we just didn't go to R-rated movies in our house um, I, other than The Passion. That was the only R-rated movie that we um, we Trey and I kind of made that decision early on for ourselves. I'm talking for, about. As, yeah, yeah as, us as, as individuals. Yeah, as individuals. And so um, and, and we always, you know, when the kids wanted to see a movie, you know, PG-13, whatever, we always looked it up. Like we showed them how to look up the movies on, you know, um, uh, oh, uh, gosh, I'm having a sometimers moment. Yeah, I am too. It, yeah, um, but there was a, there's a, where you can look up, you know, kind of the, you know, the rating of a, a movie from a Christian standpoint. And, um, and so Madison, some friends wanted to go see this movie and we said... Well, Madison, you're you're like you're free to do that. I mean, we're not going to pay for it because I mean, if you want to go see this R-rated movie, then you know that's going to be on your dime. But I mean, we don't think it's a good idea. Have you looked it up? Yeah, I looked it up. It doesn't look too bad, you know. That whole conversation. I, but she she was hemming and hawing, and she wanted. Well, just tell me no, then, so I can tell. I, we said no. 
<laughs> you tell yourself no. And right. so she really wanted us to tell her no and, and so that she could tell her friends that, you know, we said no and she couldn't go. Well, she ended up going with her friends and she came back and she's like, I'm never doing that again. So those, you know, sometimes you have to. And let them to, make those mistakes, like in a safe, you know, obviously clear, you're not going to let a child run out in the road to learn that you shouldn't run out in the street before looking both ways. But it's some safe situations that you're able to let them make those decisions that, you know, are not the best decisions, but and then hopefully, you know, definitely pray that they well, come so, back. <laughs> so with regard to that, I had looked I had looked it up. We had looked it up. Yeah. And there was a reason why. But 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 I could tell Stephanie it. It's probably not a good movie for her to go to, but it's not. Right. It's not a bad one. So listen, I we've always told our kids if you need to use us as an excuse to get out of something, the answer is always going to be yes. We made a decision on this particular one. Mm-hmm. So if it had been something else, like yeah. where it was going to be a problem, so there's nothing wrong. You don't force them to make decisions if you can help them. So if they want out of something, the problem was she didn't want out of it. She just wanted us to do it. If you know, so we always tell them you have permission to use us as an excuse. Mom and dad wouldn't let me do that. I can't do that. That's fine. But in this particular case, we made a decision, and this is part of being kind of intentional mm-hmm. about it. Prayerful that, and intentional. That the, yeah. that the movie was wasn't gonna do like irreparable harm to her or anything, but it just it probably wasn't gonna be a good one. And so we're gonna make her actually make that decision. And I think that's really important that you're moving towards that to say, look, you, you, there are things that you have to decide. Um, and so, but those are the, those are where the teaching comes in. I mean, when she came back and said, I shouldn't have done that, you know, I said, well, look, you know, you can always ask us for advice. We'll just take our advice the next time that we, that we give it to you. I mean, um, and figure something else out. So anyway, um, that's something that never really goes away. Um, even up through maybe the first couple of years of college, maybe and, and beyond. But at some point, you know, it's like, you guys have to make your own decisions. You have to do, you have to do it. It's you, it's now your life. We're here to help. We're here to advise. We're here to guide. If you want it, there's other people too, like good priests, other good friends, those type of things, spiritual but, but you, spiritual directors, <laughs> all those type of things, but you need to make those decisions. So anyway, um, let's see, moving on. So th- this is kind of like, th- this is kind of foundational to what, what we said. The beginning of everything within marriage has to flow from an understanding that we're meant to be outward signs of God's invisible reality. That he's he's real and he's there, and so pointing to this, he's a god of limits. You know, and we talk about the creation account, and the fact that he did set those, and what happened when the great flood happened. They wanted to do all their stuff and 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 have no limits, um, including you know building the Tower of Babel and and you know those type of things. Wanted to exceed what they're meant to do, and so he removed the limits, and um showed us what that is in the great flood, right? That if, if he doesn't set limits, then there's problems. I mean, people die. <laughs> the second thing is he got a freedom. And so again, for freedom, Christ has set us free. That's Galatians five, one stand fast, therefore, and do not submit to the yoke of, to a yoke of slavery. So he is a God of limits and a God of freedom. And therefore we should be as parents, people who set limits appropriately regage those because those change over time. Not not all of them, but a lot of them do. Like, where can they go play on their own? You know, sometimes it's just in their... I mean, Steph was great about kind of gradually moving the kids from when they understood, okay, they're free to play in their playpen. You know, they can play. And then it was free to play in their room. Then it was free to play in the backyard, you know. Then as they grew older, it's like, okay, well, you can go here and here you know, but stay in this area, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in the neighborhood, um, those type of things. But you're you're constantly kind of moving. Um, yeah, we started with towards. Yeah, we started with playpen time just because it was a great. I mean, it, 
it was it was beneficial on so many different levels. Um, beneficial for the child when they were little, you know, six months old, that there was a confined area that they would be safe and I could get some things done. And they were learning how to entertain themselves, um, you know, and then, the, and then like Trey said, then it went to room time, you know, where they were, they would stay in their room and they would, you know, we'd just get certain toys down and, or they could listen to book tapes or, you know, um, so it was just like some quiet time and some downtime for everybody um, that was very necessary in our house. <laughs> right. And so, so remember, we're, we're this, this idea, and we haven't done a parenting in the funnel in, in some time. Maybe we, we could go back and revisit that. I mean, we have to look and see if it's worth a whole show or not. But the, but mm. the idea, the idea is moving over time to expanding limits and increasing freedom, but then gauging that based on how the kids handle it. Mm-hmm. Are they humble enough to accept a limit that we've established? Are they, can they communicate for themselves well enough to say, may I ask why so that they can understand? Another thing that we talk that we've talked about before is that they, you know, they could appeal, you know, if there was additional information that we didn't know as parents, it might change our response to something we were saying no to, to build that. And then from a, from a freedom standpoint, letting them know that we're always moving towards freedom for them and that we are known for, for trying to say yes, <laughs> that, you know, it's kind of like praising a child, you know, for every time you say no, you should try to, for every time you, correct a child, you should be looking for opportunities to praise a child. Mm. I notice this mm-hmm. because often in parenting, you can get focused on the, all the negatives, on the negatives mm-hmm. and that's all they hear. So you've got to intentionally but catch them doing something, catch them good. Doing something good. Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing with the no's and the yeses. If you're always characterized as a parent by saying no, by, by limits only, then they'll have a harder and harder time doing it. So try to figure out ways to say yes. We, we've always, we've always, I mean, I always told the kids, look, I'm, I always want to try. If you make a reasonable request, I'm going to try to say yes. Doesn't mean I'm going to, but I'm going to, I'm going to work towards saying yes. Having worked where I've worked, I've always appreciated bosses that I knew were trying to help me out. You know, I could accept the can't do that when I knew that they were trying to help me out. Well, it's no different. And and if we think about it, we're trying to be God. That's what God, God will say, like, no, no, no. <laughs> but he's wanting to say yes. He's wanting to help you go forward. That's the way you want your children to see God as somebody who's trying to lead you. And when he's redirecting or saying no or putting an obstacle in the way, it's not because he's just mean and trying to show you I'm the boss. It's because He's got something better for you. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of link that we as parents need to make in teaching our children. Look, we're trying our best. We're not God and we're not, and we will make mistakes, but we're trying to communicate to you the way, the best we know how as parents, the way God is. He's a God that wants freedom for you. He's, if there is a rule, (laughs) it's because it's for your good, not as somebody's trying to hold you down. It's to redirect you or to help you stay away from something that you shouldn't do that would be bad for you. Right. And remember, you know, I, I, I guess I always felt like, well, as a parent, I have to know the answer. You know, no, we don't. We don't always know an immediate answer or a child asks us to do something or has a behavior that we're just like, it doesn't sit right with us. I mean, make sure and discuss that, you know, with you, with your spouse and, 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 um, you know, pray about that solution again, call on that grace. Um, I mean, the Holy spirit has never, (laughs) never, uh, never failed us. Um, and, and, and I think that's an important thing to show a child is that, you know what, I don't really know, what we should do in this situation, but let's pray about it. Let's ask some people, you know, like that we trust. I mean, that's showing them how to handle, that's giving them a skill right. um, on how to handle like, you know, decision-making. And Exactly. And the more transparent you are, and there's some things you can't be transparent, right. but the more transparent you are to let them see how your brain is operating, 
the more you let them see that, the more it becomes at least available for them to make their own. You know, the more that they see you apologize when you know you've made a mistake, I didn't handle that well, the more they're going to be likely to, when they make a mistake, say, that's what I've noticed is our kids were quick. The quicker we are to say, you know what? That was bad. I didn't, I did not handle that at all the way I should have handled it. That was Trey Cash and that was nothing like the way God mm-hmm. would have handled it. That they're more like that. Yeah. And I think another thing that we didn't mention that kind of fits in here too is, is rehearsing. Like the best times to teach a child is in a time of non-conflict. So to rehearse with the child, what behavior do you expect in the grocery store? What behavior do you expect at church? And, and actually, you know, talk about it, practice it. Um, you know, um, and, and yeah, so, you know, to, to actually rehearse and, and then remind when you're in those situations. And then obviously if they've, you know, they've handled it well to, to definitely, you know, praise them and God, we talked about this. And, you know, when we went to the grocery store this last time, you didn't throw a fit, you know, to have candy. And that, you know, that was so awesome. Right. Or even, and if it's a mixed bag, when they come out, if it's a mixed bag, you can say, wow, when you did this, that was outstanding. This was, this is something that didn't. And so you can kind of help them see that, but that's what you want is for them to see that, you know, you don't want to be like the Wizard of Oz with the guy standing by, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> I mean, we we want to be we want to be seen as you know who we are, which is not somebody. We're we're a human being who is trying to live out a call from God and trusting in God's grace and doing the best we can. But we are intentional, and do we make mistakes? Absolutely, but. We're trying and we're trusting that God will give us everything we need as husband and wife and as parents to elevate our nature. So, All right. So now we're going to go to our memory verse um, that you thought it was going to be the Proverbs one. But nope, it's going to be Deuteronomy 529. Oh, hear that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Deuteronomy 529 today. Good one. Yeah. Remember, only God can help you take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. And he will. Yes, he will. God God bless bless you guys. Pray for us. We'll be praying for you. Bye. Bye.